The time is now. What is the secret to success? Movement. People look at you strange saying you change, like you work that hard to stay the same. Like you're doing all this for a reason. Hard work. Yeah. Works. Today's Trainers Talk is brought to you by the Calcica Fit app. The Calcica Fit app has over a hundred different workout videos from yoga, Pilates, core, strength, hit, on the go, TRX, meditation. Even if you're having a hard time going to sleep at night, we got something for that. So check that out. It's less than 50 cents a day. Go to calcicafit.com for more details. Welcome to the latest Trainers Talks. My name is Donovan. Thank you for joining. So coming up, I'm going to have a conversation. You're going to have a conversation that I had with Kelsey Cox, the founder of Ride Cycle Co., which is in Santa Rosa. Her flagship's in Santa Rosa and uh, California. And we also talked a little bit about uh, different skincare related uh, things. She is also a physician assistant um, for aesthetic medicine. And, and so that was you know, actually very interesting to kind of get, uh, you know, that breakdown because skin is, you know, our biggest organ in our body. And, and when you exercise and it's the thing that even with covered in mask, you, you see every day, um, and it, it gets exposure to the sun and different parts of the elements. And, and it's something that's often overlooked, but is very important, uh, to, to, to work on to maintain great skin as you age through life. So that was a great conversation, so stick for that. One of the things I wanted to talk to before we get into that conversation with Kelsey is, you know, I've noticed, uh, you know, over multiple years of working with uh, lots of clients and talking to people um, in general, as we know, diet is as much as I love what I do and training uh, clients and and having people burn calories and move and, and move better, get stronger, faster, um, healthier, one of the things that is common that people strive for is weight loss or toning. And this often struggle, and the, one of the biggest components is bigger sometimes than exercise, is the diet component, um, the nutrition component of your program. And it's often a struggle for people to maintain that level of discipline that's needed to achieve um, the goals that sometimes might be a little, uh, a little much. But it's it's understandable why you know you have this vision of yourself in your head and where you want to go and where you want to be and truly understanding what it takes to get there and the discipline it takes to make that happen for your body and for your mindset is is something that people uh, underestimate until they're trying to do it and one of the things i want to discuss is like if you're really in the mode of you know i want to lose some weight i want to tone i want to and for the rare um, people out there who want to gain muscle, you know, want to gain weight. There's no way around it. You have to take your nutrition seriously. 
and you have to really think, I often say, think about what you're going to sacrifice. Certain meals that probably bring comfort, that have, uh, if you have a sweet tooth, um, if you have a, a affinity to be able to, you know, dine with a loved one or with friends, and you, you know, you don't want to be restricted in those, those moments. That, that has to all be factored into that goal and that plan of, of your nutrition. And if you feel like, if you really look at it from a holistic point of view, sometimes you might have to say, I need to meet in the middle. I, I still want to have one or two days a week where I can have a, a more indulgent dinner with friends or um, just personally. But you also have to be okay that you're potentially not going to get the goal that you had in your head. And you have to temper it based off that. And start small when, when it comes to that. Now, if you really want to go for that goal, you got to get your mind right and you got to get ready. That it's going to take time to build the discipline. And that should be the focus often than the result. The focus should be building the discipline because it takes two to three weeks before your body adjusts to a change in diet as long as it's not too drastic. Um, and drastic is, you know, if, you, if you're changing your calorie count by 20%, if you're within 20%, then that's probably not too drastic. It'll take you about two weeks to get adjusted to that. And if you can do that, if you can focus on the discipline aspect and not the result, not how much weight you're going to lose in that two weeks, not, not how you're going to look in two weeks, if you focus on the practice of discipline, you can find some solace in what the progress will be. Because you need to teach yourself the discipline before you can perfect the nutrition. So focus on that. Focus on the discipline for the first two weeks the routine, the schedule, and then look at it, review it, and now that you have the discipline, which I believe is the hardest part for most clients and most people, now you can truly attack and be able to lead to the goal that you really want to get to. So enjoy our conversation coming up with Kelsey. We, uh, we know each other are through families, our families, and we grew up in the same area, but we we never met, and it was a nice conversation, very interesting. Like I said, we we dived into several different things, talking about her business, how she grew it in a and in, in a year of 2020, and how it's still thriving, and and how she's looking to grow, um, and this year, along with the different aesthetic medicine type of trends and and tips um, and just even finding a way to talk about how do you balance it all when you're you're pushing to take your business to another level so enjoy this conversation i have with kelsey cox yeah hello boys and girls i would like to welcome you to the latest trainers talk i'm sitting down with kelsey cox who is the founder of rise cycle co and she's also a physician assistant for aesthetic medicine. And she's, uh, we have a connection we'll get to later. That, and this <laughs> is the first time uh, sitting down and actually meeting each other. So thank you for joining me. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. Um, I think we gotta, 
Uh, we got to start off with a little bit of the skincare stuff because we were just talking right before we got this thing rolling. <laughs> and you were talking about a treatment. And from an exercise perspective, somebody who does a lot of spinning mm-hmm. uh, and, and owns a, you know, you know, has a great team over in Santa Rosa and does a lot of teaching, what, what were you talking about? What is the, the therapy you're ca- talking about? Oh, that removes mirror dry. The... Do I look at you or do I look at the camera? You, you look, look okay. at me. Look at me. Okay. Yeah. Um, mirror dry, you can kind of compare it to a laser. It's not technically a laser, but it's a one-time treatment that uses microwave energy to permanently get rid of the sweat and odor glands in your underarm. Wow. And you don't need it for any health reason. It's totally FDA approved. You sweat throughout the skin on your body, but there's only odor glands in your groin and your underarms. Yeah. So if you, you know, hopefully no one's smelling your groin, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you get rid of those glands in your underarms. Yeah. And you don't have to wear deodorant anymore. That's awesome. Yeah. What's, uh, what's like the standard, like, do you have to wait a certain amount of time after you have the treatment? What's like the kind of... You'll be swollen. You want to wait at least a week to exercise. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's pretty low maintenance. Wow. That's... Uh... That's that's pretty interesting. It's I, wild. Yeah, <laughs> what what kind of got you into aesthetic medicine and and doing the the physician assistant part? I had really bad acne. Okay. Like I was that kid with braces for like five years and really bad acne. I was super shy. Yeah. Like there's no way I could have done this back in high school. Yeah. And I was on Accutane twice actually, so I was in and out of the dermatologist's office. So I kind of got to see that environment yeah and i liked the idea of i don't know i was interested in a huge science nerd yes um so medicine and skin but also having the creative artistic cosmetic dermatology side yeah as well and actually i was torn between going to med school or doing marketing but i always loved fitness yeah did a marketing internship didn't really love it and didn't want to go to med school because I was like, oh, I can't do four years of med school and four years of residency and not have time to like work out and do my like fitness stuff. And then I discovered physician assistant and that was like the happy medium of two and a half years. You can still practice independently. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how we ended up there. And now I do only aesthetics, but I like it. I think there's a lot of mental health impact besides just looking good you feel good ah interesting yeah and especially here where people are mountain biking until they're like 90 yes a lot of people will come saying i don't feel like i'm as old as i look yeah i do a lot of anti-aging to kind of keep those fit healthy people looking how they feel yeah what is some of the kind of popular treatments that you're seeing from you, you take that that person who's who's who feels great or is very active, but they feel like they don't look, you know, they have the look that matches how they feel. Yeah, a lot of facial fillers. It's a gel made out of hyaluronic acid that your body makes naturally. um, Because people that are really fit, you're gonna not have as much facial fat. Yes. Your facial tissues and fat, they degrade and gravity pulls everything down. Yes. So you kind of use a little filler to very strategically fill in lines, plump lips, plump cheeks. And if you do it right, no one knows you have it. Yeah. Everyone, it gets a bad rap for the people who do too much or not the right thing in the right place. Um, but if it's done well, you don't know that it's actually done. I feel like that's like a lot of things in life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you go a little too too much over the uh, the edge, it, it's, not gonna, it's not gonna be a great thing. Um, when you, what, you know, what brought you out to California? Because you, we, 
we both grew up on the East Coast. Did you grow up? Where did you grow up? Yeah, Loudoun County. Yeah. Yep. And and so I grew up in um, I spent grew up in Loudoun County also, and I I didn't realize did, what high school did you go to? I went to Potomac Falls. So we both went to the same uh, high school, but in different times. Different times. Different times, and and uh, you're you're much much younger than me. <laughs> much much younger than me. Um, so what brought you out to California? Uh, my fiance's job. Yeah. He applied to jobs kind of all over the West. And then I was like, wow, I either have to ditch this guy or move out West. <laughs> and I obviously kept him because we're here and it was worth it. But it's, it's different. But for this stage of life, I think it's great. I think this yeah. area, it's so beautiful. It's so family friendly. Yeah. It's kind of that next stage in the journey. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and when did, when did you get out here in California? What was it? Like a year and a half ago, July 4th, 2019. Yeah. On the dot. Oh, wow. Okay. No fireworks, just U-Hauls and exhaustion. Oh, that's interesting. That, um, that's, that's kind of reminds me when July 4th. So when I came out here, I, I came out before Jackie did. And it was, um, I came out about six weeks before we got married. Mm-hmm. And... I was working on a hotel. I was at Solage working on opening a hot- hotel with them, part of the opening team, and, and then going to be running that. And then our wedding was 7707. Oh, wow. So I flew back on the 4th mm-hmm. to go back to the wedding. And then um, the first time I saw her in over, uh, in about six weeks, was at the rehearsal dinner. Oh, my gosh. So, um, so that, that date of like moving out, moving back and forth kind of is in my head also. So um, I think I was looking and seeing, were you into dance? Yeah. When you're, when, when, how long were you into dance? Was it oh when you were a kid or? Yeah, I think when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be a Spice Girl. Okay. So I started taking dance classes and then I just liked it. So I kept doing it in high school and a little bit in college and here and there for fun. But it was a really good transition into cycling because you grow up dancing and like yes. there's not many adult dance, at least not that style, outlets. Yeah. So the idea of riding a spin bike to the rhythm of music yes. just really eased that transition. So when did you get hooked with spin? I started at college. I took my first class at Sorority Sisters at Virginia and I was taking the class and I couldn't not ride to the beat of the music it was like compulsive like i couldn't get off beat it was silly and this was like pre soul cycle being a big deal like it was maybe in new york and la definitely wasn't anywhere near virginia yeah and i was like wow i really want to teach this to the beat of the music i think i could be really excited about it and then nothing happened with that during college but i moved to san diego knew i wanted to be a spin instructor and I used my dance background to get my foot in the door because the gym I was working out at as a client, they wanted to start a bar program. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my degree is in kinesiology and I danced my whole life. Like, why don't I develop your bar program? And then finally one of the spin instructors went on maternity leave and they were like, can you teach spin? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and that was kind of, it just snowballed from there. Yeah, what's what's your uh, go-to, do you have any go-to artists that you like listening to? Oh, Elenium. Okay. So good. Yeah. A little emotional, heavy beat drop. Yeah. Solid. It gets you, gets you every time. Was there, um, was, 
you teaching it right away? Did you get it right away? Or was there certain things that you learned as you were doing it that like, oh, when, when I do this, people respond well to this. H- how was that yeah. kind of part of it? This is a good one. This is a story I always tell my instructors. Yeah. There was a really popular instructor like named Zach, outdoor cyclist, but a drummer. So he had this really good kind of combination of hard workout plus like use the beat of the music a lot. And when I started teaching, I saw how popular he was. So I tried to be him. Mm. And my class tanked. There was like six people in yeah. it. And we went up to LA and I went to Soul Cycle for the first time and saw like all these upper body moves on the bike and what that does for the workout and the experience. And I just loved that. And I came back and I was like, this is what I'd rather do. And I'm going to be me. And when I started just being true to myself, playing music, I like teaching the way I wanted to teach. That's when my classes started gaining momentum and people yeah. came and they were more engaged because I was actually being authentic and not yeah, yeah. trying to be something else. Yeah, it's that's that's interesting that it, that always comes true. If it's uh, hard to for somebody to replicate you. Yeah. So you might as well be yourself. Yeah. And that's um, that's my favorite part of the business is training instructors and kind of watching them grow. And I always tell them, don't be me. You have to take, you know, kind of the training tools and then do it your way. Yeah. Be you. I love watching them grow. Yeah. That's, I mean, so it's the mental side and the team building. um, I can just see that's like something that's very core to you. Um, Where do you think that comes from? Ooh. (sighs) I don't know. I think, you know, Growing up on dance teams, it was a little bit of like, you're on a team, you want your team to perform well, but it's pretty like cutthroat environment of like individual skills and talents to showcase. Yeah. Um, but I think as an organization, like Rise as a studio, like you're only as good as like your worst class that you offer. And you want your whole team to be equally strong so that you know someone can come in take any class have an awesome experience no matter what time of day works for them um, and if my instructor team was busy you know trying to one-up each other instead of just help each other grow together I don't think we'd be where we were today and I know that wasn't exactly the answer I don't know the answer yeah, is I don't really know yeah, yeah but it's fine but I, I, I like where it's going let's talk more about Rise Cycle Co and um, what sparked the start of it? You, you know, you're the found, you're the founder, um, and are you're probably one of the founders? Probably did you? Ha- just me. Just you. So what? What sparked <laughs> that? What? Wh- why did you want to do that? Yeah, I jokingly say that this is the career that chose me. Like you grew up in Northern Virginia, your parents are like, you will go to school, you will go to college, yes. you will get your good job that provides you health insurance. Yes. Never in a million years would they be like supportive if I was like, I'm gonna go be a pr- like full-time cycle instructor yeah and we went through that a little bit (laughs) so I jokingly say it's the career that chose me because I started teaching in San Diego discovered what a physician assistant was applied to some programs thinking I wasn't going to get in because PA schools are a lot smaller than med schools and everyone's Mm -hmm. like oh you might not get in this first round maybe you'll get in and when you apply next year and at the same time San Diego was opening one of its first boutique cycle studios and the owners of that one offered me the position of instructor and manager of that studio, which you know was at least that full-time job. 
maybe not the security that being a physician assistant has. And then I actually did get into programs and it was really hard. That was one of the hardest moments was deciding to go to grad school or to take that job. Mm. And I ended up going to grad school in Boston and was really lucky to continue teaching for a studio there. So when I moved to Nashville after grad school, I managed an instructor team for a studio in Nashville and then co-founded a studio in Nashville um, which I learned a lot from. Mm -hmm. I definitely wouldn't say it worked out. Um, and that's a story like that I like, I don't like looking back on it, it's kind of painful. Yeah. But I like what I learned out of that because I initially was gonna do the Nashville studio by myself and I had never had my own studio before. Mm -hmm. I had consulted for other people's studios, I would trained other people's instructors and I knew what I needed to do. I had all the tools, but I just didn't have that confidence to go at it alone. Mm. And taking someone else as a safety net kind of led to, you know, that experience not working out, you know, the way I intended. Mm. So when I knew we were moving out here, I was more than ready. Yeah. I knew like I had already co-founded a successful studio and I just saw that space in Santa Rosa of like there here's this great town. Yeah. And there's no like boutique cycling studio that does strictly rhythm based riding. And I know, like, I just knew. So this time around with Rise, I had that confidence, pulled the trigger. I also got very lucky with such a good team from the beginning. Um, your people are everything. So the fact that how did How did you, so you're new to the area. Yeah. How did you meet some of your new team? How did you, um, you know, foster that? Yeah. Um, I, there was one rhythm-based class offered at another gym that I went to and talked to that instructor um, kind of early on, like, oh, I'm looking to open a studio. Did not poach her, said she could go wherever she wanted and teach everywhere yeah. she wanted. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're independent, um, and that's how that works. Yeah, and but she wanted to join us um, on our rise journey anyway, and I'm super grateful. And then a few of my riders you could just tell were really passionate and you kind of, I don't know, just getting to know people, you have these organic conversations of, oh, I love your class, One of, grew up as a drummer, grew up as a dancer, yeah. and then it's, oh, do you want to teach spin? Yeah. Do you want to <laughs> teach cycling? Yeah. And they all say yes until you realize how much work it actually is to teach a good class, <laughs> and then they stuck with it, but mostly from that one instructor in class. And then once you open, people find you. Yeah. Like once you have a studio, all not all, but a lot of riders, you know, want to take that next step and be the one leading the ride. So the hardest part's over. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, and so when did Rise Cycle open? February 8th. Awesome. Five yeah. weeks before the shelter in place. Of course. And so I, I've kind of hate, I've kind of gotten, um, you know, talking about the year of the pivot and you know having to do all that pivot, but multiple pivots but it's you know for those who are, who are understand basketball i mean like you're pivoting so much you, you feel like you're traveling mm -hmm. um so how did you take me some of those landmarks that you went through the year and take me through some of those emotions of i'm you know you, you start like before you even open what that's like you open shelter in place like tell me kind of talk <laughs> me through talk me through the journey you give me the, give me the highlights what, what are you what are you thinking yeah looking back? um 
so before we opened, you know, you've opened many gyms for many people. It's this like coming together of like staff, equipment, build out, and you have all these components coming together at the same time. And my goal is always just start, like just open, start building your clientele, start offering what you have to offer. So February 8th was like, things were coming in the night before. I think we were like building cubbies the night before and Drew, my fiance, was like, are you sure you don't want to push it to next weekend? And I'm like, no, we're doing it. <laughs> um, so that's how we opened. Once we signed the lease, we were opened in like three months. Oh wow. I was trying to like lay a lot of the groundwork before we, oh my gosh, finding the space in Santa Rosa. And what I was doing this morning was looking at our second, hopefully second location, why I had to reschedule. Yeah. Um, but so we kind of opened quick got very lucky that we were really well received. A lot of people came in, brought their friends. We had five weeks of like the dream. Like yeah. We started with 26 bikes and I bought 35. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, maybe in three months we'll add those extra bikes. We added them after our second week. Wow. So we were doing sold out classes of 33 people in our first month, which was awesome. I'm so grateful for that because those people stuck with us. Oh, that's awesome. Because we, so we closed. March 15th is our last day of indoor classes. And I've been lucky enough to know a lot of cycling studio owners through my work and one of them in Maine. Um, she was probably the first person, jibe cycling, um, Joanna, to lease out her bikes. And I was like, we're doing it. I didn't even think twice. And Drew is always my favorite devil's advocate of, are you sure you wanna lease your very expensive equipment to people? <laughs> Um, but I, I was sure because if you, if we didn't keep the engagement, keep yeah. people moving as many as we could, only 35, but we did it. Um, you know, we, we wanted to have that community to come back to. Yeah. Uh, so my office was closed, so I wasn't doing any physician assistant work. I was just producing the video rides, which I'm sure you know how all this AV stuff goes. Big learning curve. It was harder producing video workouts than opening the studio. And I wasn't even working. Yes. Like I could do video workouts full time and it was so much work. Yes, yeah. Record it, edit it. We got it on YouTube. Um, and I was a huge proponent of the videos are free. Yes. Pay me for the bike. But I saw a lot of studios offering classes for a lot of money. And I know every small business was in jeopardy during the shelter in place. But I just couldn't be like that opportunistic where I would charge someone a hundred bucks a month for something I filmed on my phone. Yeah. I was just very like, you know, we're all going through a rough time together. If this spin class is going to help you get through it, yeah. then just take it. And we did do a donation link. So if people, you know, were in a good place financially and wanted to throw us 10 bucks for a ride here or there, we very much appreciated it. Split it between the instructors that filmed. Um, so yeah, that was shelter in place. Mm -hmm. Then we got to go inside for three weeks yes. in June. It was lovely. We cut it down to like not very many bikes in the room, well over six feet apart. No one got COVID. Yeah. And that was the best kind of being back in that space. And then we had to go outside and we don't have like a dedicated parking lot. So we were in like three different areas of the shopping center doing outdoor rides then. So uh, how does that work? Oh I'm, my gosh. So <laughs> I live in Santa Rosa. I, I, 
I do most of my work here in Napa Valley, but um, I know where that space is. Yeah, and Farmer's I, Lane. It's like a street. A street, and and uh, uh, as we we're really close to the fire station here, um, but one of the things I notice is and and even a couple of my um, staff would mention when they would ride by there and saw you guys on the, the oh, sidewalk. Oh yeah, we did some patio sidewalk rides. Pa pa patio. Now that looked. That was his one thing because it was right outside your door. Where did, how, what's the setup and time it takes to get the bikes to the different locations in that fairly big shopping oh, yeah. area? That's been, I think, one of my biggest hurdles because while we're lucky that Rise is making money, yeah, my support staff, this is why I cannot say enough good things about my team because it take, now we've got it down to where two studio coordinators can roll out all the bikes and set them up. But we were starting with three or four because before we were on the sidewalk, we were doing it in the parking spaces and it would take three people an hour before class to roll them all out. Then we'd have the classes then we'd have to roll them all back twice a day. So the bikes are getting beat to hell. Yes. They were much better off at people's homes. Yes. Um, and the payroll expenses just shot up a ton. So, you know, we're do financially, we're, I'm very proud of us, but we're not like rolling in dough because <laughs> all the money goes back to the team. Yeah. And I'm not super mad about that. Like our day will come when we're on better financial footing. Um, and I'd rather keep my good team because without them, we wouldn't be open. But it's, it's a big production. And I think that's a lot of studios just stayed straight virtual. Yeah. Um, and whether that worked for them or not, I know for some it didn't. I think that's a lot of our survivals. We kept the community. We kept a space where people could physically gather and not just virtually gather in a safe way. And I think that's what has really kind of carried us through this past year. That's awesome. And so now that you've, you've gone through that process and you've, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, probably looking back, but there's also looking forward. What What's Ford? What's what does Rice Cycle Co. look like going forward? <laughs> Who knows when we'll be allowed inside? I jokingly say I own an outdoor cycling studio, yep. not an indoor cycling studio. Um, so my goal, kind of moving here, like this is my new hometown. So I want to lay some roots down, you know, not only personally but with the studio because I truly believe in what it offers like yes it's a business but I'm sure you feel the same passion yeah. that your business does something so good for people yeah. um, that I want to kind of hit a few different little cities in this area and have Santa Rosa as our flagship studio whether it's in a parking lot or not yeah. And then a few of the surrounding cities that I know are reasonably within reach and just kind of keep growing our community for whoever wants it. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So when um, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about the the skincare. I'm 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 interested in this. this sometimes the, the questions become personal. Some of them are, <laughs> some of them are like, you know, I want to, I, I want to know your story and things like that. But from a physician assistant's point of view and somebody who works with skincare and works with aesthetic medicine, um, what, if you kind of go through different age groups, you know, 20 to 30 and 30 to 50, you know, you can break it down, whatever you you're used to seeing. 
what's some kind of like basic skincare advice? I mean, as we're kind of sitting in the sun and it's February. Still sunscreen. Yes. Still, it all starts with sunscreen. That's gonna prevent you spending money getting Botox from me as you get older. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, when you're young, sunscreen. Um, even 20s and 30s, sunscreen, vitamin C in the morning, retinol at night, yeah. and eye cream. Eyes as they age, it's harder to turn the clock back on. Yeah. So even just keeping them hydrated is a good preventative. Um, then kind of your next step is some preventative Botox and you know someone who works with muscles a lot Botox is thin like water it gets injected into the muscle belly that when the muscle contracts it folds the skin and if you think of the skin as a piece of paper you fold it a bunch of times it's eventually gonna get that crease uh, that yeah. stays there but if you can't fold that piece of paper it's never gonna crease yeah and you can still get it injected where it's subtle enough where like your face isn't frozen, you still have expressions. I still say people can tell I'm making the WTF face. Yes. Um, so a little bit of preventative Botox. People ask me like when to start. It's a question I get a lot. It's very individual. Yeah. So, and for men and women. Yeah. It's not just women anymore. Um, and it's all gonna depend on your anatomy and just your family like looking at your parents when how do they move their face where yeah. are their lines when did they start getting those lines do you make the same faces yeah, yeah. um so everyone's kind of different in that regard people start as early as 22 you know or don't start until they're 50 it kind of just depends yeah um and your next step is gonna be kind of hydroquinones if you you know didn't get the sunscreen memo yeah and you get those age spots because you're running around Sonoma County in the sunshine or yeah. Napa. Um, hydroquinone will help fade some of those sunspots in combination with those other products. Fillers are great for facial fat and just facial restoration like we talked about, or even enhancement. Yeah. You know, like I had the most hollow eye sockets. People would ask me if I was sick. Yeah. Like, I'm not sick, it's just my face. <laughs> So putting a little filler like in a kind of hollowing underneath the eye just makes you look a little more refreshed and that doesn't have to be an anti-aging thing. It can just be an enhancement thing. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that, wanting to look and feel your best. So don't let anyone guilt you if you want. Yeah, I mean like it, done. totally. I mean, it's, it's, it, that's, what, that's what's nice about it is, is personal preference and, and kind of what's gonna make you feel, I mean, that's, that's the reason you work out. That's the reason ideally you eat well yeah you know it's kind of all about you know we've we've we found in the last uh for sure in the last year that you know taking care of yourself is is uh is very important totally um is there is there any questions you wanted to ask me yeah because i you know we're from the same place but i we've never gotten to meet we've never gotten to chat and hear your story so kind of a little bit of your abbreviated background. And I'm really more interested in kind of how and when did you pull that trigger on, you know, making this your career, making a fitness wellness related company and brand your full-time gig. Cause I'm still holding on to my full-time gig. Yeah. And it's scary to kind of release that safety net. Yeah. So I would say, so 2000, um, so background, 
um, kind of quickly, JMU undergrad, um, Georgia State uh, graduate for exercise physiology, did had certain jobs, worked um, uh, multiple jobs at, at Loudoun County Hospital oh, through, wow. our, through our connection, Mrs. Mook. Ah, love it. Um, so did that like in between, like that would be my summer job and stuff like mm -hmm. that and those type of things. And then worked with professional athletes, um, the Washington football team, come, uh, some of the athletes there. Um, and then Slodge, the uh, resort out here, brought me out here. Okay. Um, and and uh, for me to kind of design the gym, start the program from scratch. And I knew, I knew in, uh, I knew in senior in high school that I wanted to kind of get towards this direction. I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but I mm -hmm. knew it was going to get towards this direction by uh, uh, our English teacher asked us to interview somebody that we thought had an interesting job. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed um, our our trainer who was uh, getting us ready for our senior basketball season Yeah, at Potomac Falls. And, and so I found out he went to graduate school. He played baseball similar to me. And, and I was like, okay, um, this is the route did that made my way out here and and I knew about six years out of the seven years I was at Slosh by year five six I knew I was ready to do my own thing mm -hmm. but it was like how do I do that yeah and what's the are is there a way for me to kind of do that with this current company and several things happened um, where it kind of led me more and more I kind of let the universe speak to me a little bit mm -hmm. um, of you know, how are the people who somewhat control my destiny from a, who might be my higher ups, how are they reacting to certain things that, um, would I do it that way? Mm -hmm. And I was noticing they, they're not doing the way I would do it, um, especially from a wellness fitness standpoint. And I was like, okay. So I created LLC because one of my clients who designed Aaron Martin, who, and Maria um, Torres, they design high-end homes. They're interior designers. And uh, I was training them and they were like, you know, I know you've designed some gyms. Would you be open to designing some of our clients' gyms? Cool. And I was like, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it's right w within my wheelhouse. I love creating. Mm -hmm. I love starting something from scratch. Yeah. Having an idea, thinking it's great. You put it on paper and you're like, this is gonna be a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's what created the LLC, and I still worked for Slodge for like another year, and then I finally was like, okay, I'm ready. And what allowed me to jump uh, was I had personal training. Mm -hmm. So that in itself, I knew that if I left and I was able to go to people's homes, that I was gonna make at least this, mm -hmm. and I had kids at the time, and so my dad uh, calls me, and he goes, uh, son, um, are you sure? <laughs> Our parents are so similar. You know, he's They're like. They're so Northern Virginia. Yeah, so Northern Virginia. <laughs> and so, and, and I, I understand that. And, you know, he's just thinking, you know, he's thinking about his grandkids and he's thinking yeah, about. Yeah, they only want the best for us. They only want the best. But, you know, they're, um, I think also being out in California, you can feel that the individualism is important here. Mm -hmm. Like uh, people appreciate um, the ability like you do with your team to, for them to be themselves and we come together. I kind of 
say our, our teams like the Avengers. We <laughs> each have our own character. Yeah, your own superpower. Our own superpower, but when we come together, we're the Avengers. So people appreciate that more out here where I feel like Northern Virginia East Coast, at least 20 years ago, um, the vibe was more company driven. The company's name went first. Mm-hmm. Where here, your name could be just as important as the company name. Totally. And so I felt that I had support from my clients that they wanted to continue to work with me. And I did that. And then I was like, I need to, f- I can't have all my hours. I need some passive income. Mm-hmm. And I also want to create a community and I wanted to be all about me. So, um, and that's when Calistica Fit, the idea of Calistica Fit kind of arised. And it really was stemmed from, Calistoga has a lot of uh, hotels for how small a town it is. Mm-hmm. It has kind of per capita, has the most hotel rooms come in the valley. Oh, wow. And so, um, and a lot of the hotels don't have gyms and they don't have access to fitness classes for their guests. Oh, so All that's right. where the idea came from was like i know the instructors in the area because a lot mm-hmm. of them are hired at Solage. yeah and just through my years of of doing what i was doing and i said i reached out to them and they all had their own kind of personal thing i said why don't you take your wednesday class that you do that you sell directly let me put it all on one website um and i'll put a boot camp class and and it'll be in different places all over the town and the town's mm-hmm. small enough that it just becomes a one-stop shop yeah for people that like like kayak or like when you're you know you're looking for something you can just type in yoga or something like that and you can see the different yoga classes that are available in the Mm -hmm. area and then eventually i realized there was also a strong need for the local community yeah and so it kind of bounced from there and one of my uh tara one of my um instructors uh, who I hired at Solage wanted to come with me and help me co-found it along with my wife who at the time had her own marketing company and oh then gosh. she she decided to take a more secure job and be the marketing director at Carneros mm-hmm. Resort and Spa to kind of you have the health I had the health insurance now you have the health insurance <laughs> you know like do that bounce around yeah we're playing that game too exactly and so that's that's how you do it you have to you know it one advantage I've seen that I've had is that I have my partner. Yeah. And so she, I give her advantages and she gives me advantages. And we're often able to pivot off each other through, okay, you had, this is your goal, this is your dream. Um, I'm gonna step back, I'm gonna do the thing that's stable so that you can do this and then vice versa. And then eventually we got to a point where we're like, we can be in this together. Yeah. Um, so, um, I don't know if I answered your question. No, totally. It's yeah. And I never want to leave being a PA totally. Yeah. But you know, with kids and family kind of on my horizon, Yes. I love the idea of having the freedom to have that time to not be on someone else's clock and just delegate and spend more time with my family. But it is scary right now i have the health insurance yeah yeah <laughs> um but we can easily switch it over to drew's but yeah it, it's definitely helpful was it were you scared regardless or were you yes ready? You, if um i i was ready but you to say that you're not somewhat 
worried is 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 not necessarily understanding it. I would say one thing that helps me get through my nerves, we did this with our app, we did this with, when we start working with other properties, mm-hmm. um, is I always started small. Yeah. Tested it, tested it, and then, and just slowly every day, we just try to get it better and better and better. Mm-hmm. And and the only reason, one of the reasons I do that is I don't have the money to do the capital intensive. Let's just oh, go. Oh yeah, totally. You Feel know? you on there. Yeah. We are a scrappy little studio. We spent money on what matters. Yes. And didn't go for any of the like frills. Exactly. Totally. So I think that kind of, I always made sure I'm not the type of, uh, and because I have a family, I'm not the type of person to put it all on the table. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to, I'm willing to make sacrifices, yeah. you know, eating out and, you know, how we do other external expenses and making sure that I can take care of my team, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't want to overspend where I feel like I'm going to be strapped to take care of my team who are really doing great work. Um, but I try to find that crick of space. So one of the things that helped me is partnerships in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not necessarily giving away some of your business because I s- still, me and Jackie own hundred percent of the business. Yeah. But where we're, we're sitting right now, this hotel had a space. It was underutilized. Mm-hmm. And I came to them and I said, you know, you've seen what I've done at Salad. You've seen what I've done with other hotels. Mm-hmm. Let me do that here, but let me lease the space from you. Yeah. And um, you have more capital. I didn't say that, but necessarily in the negotiations. <laughs> but you have more capital. But I obviously have the skill. Exactly. And I have, I and I have a proven record of doing this. Let me take this over, and in return, your guests when they stay here, if they want to come use the gym, they can, and they have a, the best gym in Napa Valley. Nice. Um, and, and then from your return, you're going to pay for more of the equipment. (laughs) I love it. And so like, that's how we did it in the beginning. And, Mm -hmm. and we found those partners and we've done that with some of the other hotels. Other hotels are more for their guests and we've done some things from outside in, but this one is like, we own it. We, we drive the culture our team does. And, and so that's what I tried to find. What is the leverage point? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think if you're looking for new spaces, what is the leverage point? Like space, there's going to be more abundance. It should be, you know, it's, it's sad to see people kind of close down, yeah. but what is the leverage point? What can you slightly squeeze out of situations to get the most out of the, the movement? Yeah. yeah. Just being smart. I've definitely seen some studios throughout my time really overdo it. And I'm just, where did you get the money for this? <laughs> this is one yeah. going through my head. Northern Virginia, just, you know, it was interesting. The most beautiful studio in Tyson's Corner um, spent a lot of money on the light show and the sound system and the bikes. But you do spend money on the bikes. Yes. Um, didn't spend money on their people. Yeah. Didn't pay the people well. And, like, that's your everything. Yes. Like, you spend that money on... I hate calling it your talent, but your talent. Yeah, their talent, and I, I agree. I think what helped, and you, I think this is happening to you, um, and I think this is the reason why you all have success because you recognize this. You were an instructor. 
mm-hmm. and you were an instructor in a position where you know you've had experiences with good bosses and probably not good bosses yeah exactly and and i lead a very trainer instructor-led business mm-hmm. where i'm like we could be in a parking lot we could be on a park uh it's not as much i want to have sound equipment mm-hmm. i don't have to have the latest equipment yeah i want sound quality equipment but you know people are coming to see that person yeah and have that experience with them and so you know we gotta you know we gotta develop that side of it so um yeah that's interesting totally how do you balance the family life uh very very good question (laughs) um i can't imagine one more thing on my plate let alone like the most important thing (laughs) yes so um this is the the question i think me and jackie get the most and and Jackie's even more crazy than I am because uh, because she's a firefighter on top of it. But what one of the things I, I talked to a family member of mine and a couple other people. But uh, before I decided to break on my own, just to kind of ask them what some things you did or you think are really important. And uh, my cousin, um, he he owns a lot of um several restaurants in Atlanta airport and uh, and also a lot of vending machines like pretty much most of the vending machines in Atlanta airport which is a huge airport yeah so he was a good person he was a good person to talk to really his son is the same generation as me so um, so we we got along uh, sleepovers and stuff when I was growing Mm -hmm. up and things like that so when I sat down with him he used to in the 90s um, when he was probably like 40 at the time he had like six to eight McDonald's and um, I think one Burger King, like around the Atlanta area. But for him to go visit those places, it would take like a two day period wow. to kind of get to everything. So he could like visit three or four in one day and three and four the next day. And over time, he eventually started to sell them off because he wanted to get in the airport. Um, and then he was able to get in the airport. And he said, you know, that was the best decision he ever did. And the reason was he has a nice house in downtown Atlanta. He can take the, the metro, or it's called the MARTA, mm-hmm. and it, go, it takes him directly into the airport. He can do his emails as he's, yeah. as he's on the train because it has internet. He has a warehouse that's right um, really close to the airport, so he has one of his guys picks him up. He goes to his office, checks in with the the team that's there that has like the paper plates and stores some of the extra food and blah, blah, blah for the multiple restaurants in the airport. And then he goes into the airport um, and then he checks each thing, each restaurant. And he's like, I can do that whole process of me even getting there six hours. Wow. And where he checks in with each restaurant for about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if you can dig deeper versus spanning out he's like that's okay you can he's like you have pros and cons in doing that Mm -hmm. so what i decided to do taking that nugget was 6 a.m to 6 p.m the work i'm putting myself towards the work now there's days now in covid and shifts where i can do certain things digitally more and work with clients from home so sometimes i'll get home a little earlier and stuff like that. But from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., I'm gonna pack it. Yeah. And and then dinner, 
is the family. Yeah. Every night I make dinner um, or we order out maybe once a week. And then, and if I really need to get something done after the kids go to bed from eight to like 9.30, I'll get mm-hmm. some of that admin stuff I couldn't get to. Yeah. And I kind of live with that. Sunday, I leave untouched. Mm-hmm. Sunday is family day, or me hanging out with Jackie. Sounds like boundaries, like very organized boundaries. Very organized boundaries of like, this This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I'm going to pack it in. And if I pack that in, and then right now, most of our partners are in this valley. So they're within 45 minutes mm-hmm. to an hour at the max yeah. from us. And I don't want it to be further right now. Yeah. And especially in the stage that we're doing it. That could shift now because of the digital aspect of things. Mm-hmm. That I would be a little bit more comfortable in yeah. going outside that bubble. Oh, Godspeed. I'm so done with digital. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when I'm saying digital, what I mean by that is connect, it's not necessarily teaching. It's more of like if I have team members mm-hmm. that are yeah. outside the bubble, I'm more comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I know. That's kind of the same radius that I have in my mind. Like no more than an hour. Yeah. Hopefully around 45 minutes. I would love Rise Cycle Co. Ashburn. Yes. I looked. My parents, who at first were skeptical, yeah. my dad looked at retail spaces in Northern Virginia with me. Yeah. Because he now he's seen it. Now that I've done it, Yes. it's interesting. He wants me to have that safe job, but he's also... I've turn my whole family into spin nerds yes like they will nerd out so hard on the boutique fitness industry with me my dad will kick anyone's ass in spin class now um so will my whole family at the, but not just my dad but we looked and I couldn't pull the trigger on it because I can't be here yes. and there there's yeah. only one of me yes so it just has never made sense and it probably never will yes that it's my focus can be here if I can run to the studio while the kids are at school then be home when they get home you know I want to grow rise in this local area but I also want to delegate some of that to get some freedom for family time yeah a lot of big things let's just get through this pandemic (laughs) yeah and I think some of it what, what happens is especially when we talk about family it um you don't know until you know Yeah, I'm not even going to pretend to have a clue. And so I think what will happen is you will, there is a, and I think I can tell that the way you're talking, that you're you're already starting to do it. It's just now finding, is it the right, can you find the right connection with a community to put a business there? Mm -hmm. Will they connect with what you're trying to do? Yeah. And is this the right right space? Um, I knew it, it took time to figure that out for Calistoga. And I know like Calistoga and it's part of the up Valley, but Calistoga, like there's certain things that are here that just connect with how we operate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it sometimes in ways that you can see it where the community doesn't realize how much they need it yeah. until, but you can see it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, and that, t- and I, I can tell you have vision. You, it takes some vision to be like, <laughs> I see this this space. Yeah. And I can I can fit into that space and people don't realize it's there. Mhm. And I might be able to fit into this nicely and it it blossoms. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh what a year. I think people probably think I'm insane looking for the next location. 
when fitness is not even allowed. Yeah. And at first I was like, you know, I'll just start looking for it. I'll start slow playing it. And now I've seen the outdoor workouts and how much they still matter to people. Yes. Because there's nothing else we can do up here. Like yes. we just got outdoor dining back. But even still, kind of what we used to fill our days with, even going to an office and back, we don't do anymore. Yes. So an outdoor like training session or fitness class has become someone's event. Yes. And I'm even like, ah, do I really, should I wait? Part of me wants to just pull that trigger and start doing outdoor yeah. in you know this next demographic, hopefully, um, which is a crazy and terrifying thought. But I think that's one thing you know, pivot, pivot quickly, at least for rise and be like decisive about it. Yeah. Like lease the bikes, do it, pull the bikes outside for a class, do it. And yeah. I figure if it doesn't work, we'll just pivot again. Yeah. I mean, I would say even like if you take your, your, your idea of that, like, is there a way to test it? I don't know. Yeah. You just throw them in a U-Haul, yeah. drive to drive, your next town yeah, over, and do an event ride, and, and see if event, there's any say, interest. Exactly. I mean, your like, low risk test. Is a low risk test is like, okay, we're, we'll be out of just renting the U-Haul. Yeah. You know, and we have all the equipment, you know, take, it'll take time and effort, yeah. but that's, that's what you have when, you yeah. know. And you can't put 33 bikes back in the studio. Yeah. We're not going to be, spin bikes used to be nine inches apart. Yes nine inches you'd hit elbows with people you definitely breathe the same air now we're going to be six feet apart i think for so long that oh, yeah. i can't even fit all the bikes i've bought in my santa rosa studio yeah so it's kind of like so i um i'm gonna give you a head start this comes this, this will come out next week but i would reach out to hotels you think like hotels that are in the areas that you want to like boutique ones that don't have gyms mm -hmm. and you're like I will bring the bikes. Yeah. And I want to test this out. Ooh. I would do it and then you test it out and say I would like to open this up to local community. Mhm. Mm and also your hotel guests. Yeah. Um and try that. And they most of those hotels have an outdoor space. Mhm. Mm yeah. They cuz they they're not doing events. Mm -hmm. If they especially if it's a conference type of hotel. Yeah. They have space That's but a they That's a good idea. So had to buy so many silent disco headsets. Yeah. And you can still use them. So you can use them at the hotel because then you could teach a class at 8 a.m. You not you're, bother anyone. You're not going to, you know, a guess who's, who's staying in a nice hotel. Oh, my hotel. gosh. I did a rooftop ride in Nashville, and we brought our loudspeakers. The guy staying on the floor below the presidential suite or whatever, like, owner of the Knicks, like, woke him up. Yeah. I've never been in so much, like trouble in the fitness industry is when that <laughs> GM of the hotel was yeah. like, stop this class right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, silent disco, learned a lot about that. How to yeah. not get called on when you're doing outdoor workouts. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. No, I, I so appreciate, you know, your advice and like that advice, even just sharing your insights. A friend of mine in Nashville was just on a podcast talking about the fitness industry and you know, it can be a really mean and cutthroat place. Yeah. It's a pretty competitive space, sometimes with a lot of ego. And I really, like, I really value, like, this time getting to chat, all of, like, the support from you and Jackie yeah. via DMs when yeah. I had never met you. And, like, I'm totally here to do the same. I think, like, local community fitness could use a little more of this. Totally. And, and at the end of the day, what I've learned is that 
it's a big enough pie. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If I had every person in Santa Rosa coming to rise, I would need hundreds of bikes. Exactly. Like, you know, there's something for everyone. Yes. It's, you know, even between spin classes, like the way Jackie would teach a class or I would teach a class is totally different and you could enjoy one or both totally. and there's still enough yes. to go around. Totally. I don't, do you teach spin? Do you get I on do. the bike? Ooh. I do. I do. I get on the bike. I do it once a week on Saturday. Who's I your go-to artist? Ooh, um, my go-to artist, um, I like Jax Jones. Um, I kind of like, uh, who else? I'm pretty eclectic. I, I, I pick music. I'm more of a DJ style. Ooh. So what I mean by that is that I'll look at who's coming to my class. Uh-huh. Now, there's definitely some ones that are like, these are songs that, I'm going to play no matter who comes. Yeah. So I would say I always leave half the, the, the list for that. But then I would say the other half of the list becomes negotiable based off who's in the class and who responds. So if I have a crowd of 60 plus, you know, where like three or four of them there, then I'll throw something that's in the 70s or 80s kind of rock or something. Yeah. Or know. just Google remix of some yeah, 80s so, rock so something, song. something to kind of have a blend just to throw the, the thing off. I will also actually DJ I pull out the tables shut up and actually DJ when are you doing that next I'm coming um I was thinking about surprisingly doing that this Saturday um so yeah and and that that's fun and that's then, the best it's harder because you don't get that break in between songs no, you just you, go I just go and then you can you can play around with the the like I can throw in sometimes I've done where you know you throw in thunder um Thunderstick, and then you throw in thunder with Imagine Dragons, Ooh, and like you okay. can you can like mix it together and have some fun with it, and and then you could use di different types of call signs that you know where the the board is calling you out to sprint when it's time to sprint and things like that. And that's fun. So, um, but I think we could go on. Days oh, and days. We, we'll have to have you guys over. Yes. I well, don't know why I thought you lived out here just because your business is out here. Yeah. But we're in the same town. Yes, we are. So oh my gosh. Jackie's colleague saved my house. Like the least we can do is have you. She DM'd me and was like at 4.30 in the morning, your house was still standing. Yes. Uh, I'm so appreciative of her and all of them. And even I feel like there's people that I'm so grateful for the firefighters. But even whoever designs the logistics. Yes. That sends out the like nixels that like tells the police this is going to be the traffic pattern. The police are doing the traffic pattern. Like, you know, it's unfortunate this area had to go through the Tubbs fire. Yes. To really like get that under control. Totally. But for probably the most traumatic event of my life, that fire was very well organized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, we're rebuilding new fences up. But, you know, we should nerd out sometime for sure. We will definitely do that. Um, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. This is this was a lot of fun, <laughs> a lot of fun, and uh, I think we'll have to do a round two. Yeah, long time coming. Cool.